Faith Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the fourth Sunday of Advent for the week of December 18th, 2022, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I'm excited because where I'm at, I am in a winter wonderland for sure, and we are in that last Sunday of Advent, which this is, I think, kind of a fun just fun week, especially when you look at the text that we have this week, we get to talk a little bit more about prophecy. We get to talk a little bit more of the foretelling. And I think there's a lot of things, especially within science, where we can kind of integrate those together a little bit pretty easily. And I think that's one of the things that really is fun when you start looking at these texts from a scientific context is we can start seeing where some of that is integrating within our lives naturally and so that we can actually start seeing how God is interacting with us in a more natural way. But before we jump into that, we have to look at the question from last week, which was where in our own lives are we potentially missing where God is working? And I think the response that I got back, I'd 100% agree with, is the idea of how we sometimes get so literally thinking in a specific literal way that we forget how to be creative. And especially when we deal with a creative God, finding creative solutions to ideas is sometimes harder to come up with because, okay, this is the steps we go by instead of then making some creative idea out of it. And I think the world really is in need of creative thinkers. I think it's this idea of we have a creative God, then why are we limiting ourselves in such a way that we aren't creative? It's amazing how when you look at when a new creative idea comes out that challenges the norm, how often we speak down upon it instead of embracing the creativity and start seeing for the ways in which it is better than necessarily the ways that it is immediately worse. And I think it's something even within ourselves, how we like doing that with people and we like doing that with a lot of things. We immediately find the differences instead of finding the ways in which where we are similar or there are things that are better to actually be able to start looking at in a more even playing field than immediately casting judgment. And I think when we're thinking about in a world, well, what is the world going to look like? What are we doing to be able to make sure that we're maintaining the creation? I think it's something that we really do need to be thinking about. So let's just jump into it. The Old Testament text this week is out of Isaiah chapter 7 verses 10 to 16. There's a little bit of backstory here we have to understand because we're immediately being dropped in and Isaiah is talking to King Ahaz. Ahaz is one of the kings of Israel after King David, after Solomon, but he's still of the line of David. He's still of the house of David. And that's where then you have this interaction where the Lord speaks to Ahaz and then there's this kind of interaction where Ahaz doesn't want to put the Lord to the text. And that seems really reckonable, especially how coming from the line of David that he would understand that. And so then Isaiah foretells a little bit, and especially being on this side of the cross, I think it's much easier for us to understand that the Lord himself will give a sign that it will be a woman with a child who will bear a son and you will name him Emmanuel. And it continues on this way. And it's the one of the final steps that we get, especially from Isaiah foretelling of Jesus coming. 
at least as a Christian, this is what we look at this text coming from. So then in verses 15 and 16, he shall eat curds and honey by the time he knows how to refuse evil and choose good. For before the child knows how to refuse evil and choose good, the land before whose two kings you are in dread and will be deserted. So this idea of how the people of Israel will be able to go back to where they were originally from. Remember that they have been kind of been held in captivity. They've had multiple different rulers take over them in this period of time. So this idea of here foretelling of being able to return back to the promised land. The psalm this week then is Psalm 80 verses 1 to 7 and 17 through 19. And this then is again this understanding of how we are a flock of sheep in this psalm and again how we are being led. And in this leading, we understand then where God is taking us. We are in a better position not to be able to be having tears and having to go through the hardships of life through going with God and following with God. But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's always always easier. It just means there's hardships that we won't have to go through in doing that. But it's this recognition of God and recognition of all these things that God is doing to provide for us. And that we are being led by this great shepherd who is calling us by name and will restore us back to the people that we were called to be. The New Testament text or epistle text this week is out of Romans chapter 1 verses 1 to 7. So here we have the introduction into Romans from Paul. And this is that understanding post-cross of this is who Jesus was. Jesus died and was raised from the dead and in this that we are trying to follow after him because this is who God sent us, the Father, to be able to follow after. So this whole idea of this is following the promise that had been declared to us in like Isaiah that had been foretold and thus we are then following after that to continue in the way of what God has led us into. The gospel text this week is out of Matthew chapter 1, verses 18 to 25. This, I think, is a story that doesn't get talked about enough, honestly. It's the Matthew story of Joseph and what happened with Joseph in all this. That, yes, we have, and we saw last week as the alternative psalm, Mary's song, the just the praise that she immediately gives God. But there's two to tango. And in this case, Joseph getting in his head around the idea that she hasn't been with another person, that the Holy Spirit has impregnated her, and that God has also chosen him to lead Mary in this, to walk with Mary in this, which is a kind of a difficult situation if you think about it. But yet, here it is. So Mary tells Joseph that they're engaged and that she's going to have this child. Joseph, trying to be an upright person, is not going to be put her to public disgrace that she's been with someone else, but is going to dismiss her quietly. He then, in a dream, gets the angel coming to him and explaining this of what is going on and that this is the fulfillment of promises long ago. And so when Joseph woke up, the angel commanded him to take her as his wife and then this Jesus was born. So this idea of how Joseph, instead of the hardening of the heart, 
was accepting to the message and was able to recognize this is what has been foretold and being able to recognize that and walk into that. And I think that is a really important message. I'd also highly recommend, I'm a bit of a musician, and one of the carols that I don't think it's done enough that I'm going to put in a plug for is look up the Cherry Tree Carol. And you get to hear a little bit of the frustration of Joseph. We get to see God in a different way. And it's kind of a fun carol, and it kind of goes through the scene a little bit. And I think we have to recognize moments of Scripture especially in the Gospels, where we get to see the more human side of it. And we get to see the human frustration that Joseph has and the disappointment and the misunderstanding and the what is going on. And I think that is very relatable within the world in which we're in, in so many ways. And I think this is a moment where we get to give Joseph a little bit of his roses and really recognize that we aren't that much different than Joseph in a lot of ways. So before we jump into how faith and science come together this week, we have to do a shameless plug. Full working preacher, if you haven't done a working preacher, I'd highly recommend it between their sermon brainwaves, podcasts, their commentaries, their discussions. Since I'm not ordained mister, I use them on a weekly basis to help give you some direction on where I'm going with this podcast. So if you haven't checked out their commentaries or their other discussions or just their Talking about scripture in a biblical way, I'd highly recommend checking out workingpreacher.org. I'd also highly recommend checking out Vanderbilt's Divinity Library. I use them on a weekly basis because I really like how they lay out the text week to week, but they also have amazing art to see how different people have interpreted these texts over a period of time, along with looking at the liturgical colors, looking at hymns that might work, prayers that might work, even if you're wanting to go through more of a daily meditation. I would highly recommend checking out the Revised Common Lectionary. I find this an extremely useful tool, and I would bet you would also. It's hard being able to understand in a world that we are in, to be able to cut through the noise, be able to understand what is prophecy, what is foretelling of the future, and what is hopium, what is something that is just hopeful or wishful thinking. And I think that's one of the things that we wrestle with in these texts. We see the humanity in these texts. We see looking back, okay, Isaiah foretelling this, and we get the psalmist looking at us as a flock and being able to foretell that we will be able to go back to the promised land. We have Joseph at the tipping point of, okay, this is the stuff that has been foretold to me since I was a child, since I was a young child. And it's been going on for generations and generations. And suddenly now this is what's going to be happening. And then it's directly affecting me. And I get really no say in this. And yet then we have Romans where Paul is kind of confirming that, yes, this is exactly what was going on. This is why this is different. This isn't just any other faith tradition. This is following the way as it was known in the first century. And I think that's one of the things that's really difficult just in life, that we have to try figuring out. But there has been times where we have had people, and I think it's one of the ways that it's actually, this text uniquely connects with science. Because science, part of what our understanding and knowledge is all about, is being able to understand something so that we can then at least give a hypothesis or a guess on what is coming. 
and be able to lay out a path a little bit more to help people understand it. And a lot of times, we don't necessarily always understand the way in which things are moving. And that's where traditionally, we have also looked at professionals to help us understand the way in which we're going. I think there's a couple different examples that I'll use this week that I think kind of help us get this image and better be able to understand it. But I would also argue it's still very difficult for us to see and predict which one is noise and which one is actual truth. And I think that's where it means also spending a lot of time with God in that to help us be able to sort through the noise to be able to actually see what the truth is. So let's just jump into it. We're going to start with something called Moore's Law. And Moore's Law was in 1965 for Electronics Magazine. We had Gordon Moore, who had been working in the transistor business with semiconductors. And as he had worked with Fairchild Semiconductor and eventually kind of branched off to form what we know as Intel, he made a prediction that originally that every two years that the amount of transistors that they were putting on semiconductors would double. So it would take every two years. And then in 1975, he revised it And it became more known as Moore's Law, where it was every year it was going to double. And as we know today, this has been absolutely huge. Because as we are able to get semiconductors smaller and smaller, which is the processing power behind any type of computing power. So the computer, your phone, your robot, if it's cleaning your house, all these chips the smaller and smaller and smaller they have been able to get them is through the process of semiconductor being able to fabricate them and print them on smaller and smaller and smaller chips, putting more and more horsepower into a smaller and smaller section. Now, this has been fairly true till around 2010 when the pace we just aren't able to maintain. And I'll attach a video down below where we're literally having to look at other different types of technology to be able to continue at this rate. But it was one of these things, and I'll attach kind of the interview down below, where Gordon is talking about this and is seeing trends and then being able to say, from working within this, knowing that, yes, this is possible. And we look at where we are as a world, this is one of a factor of many different things, but one of the big things I would also argue that has pushed us into this new industrial revolution with computers. If we weren't able to have these microprocessors working through integrated circuits, being able to get more and more horsepower into a smaller and smaller area, it would make it harder and harder for us to be able to move into this more digital revolution that we've been on. And this law, this hypothesis, this casting of vision helped also push the different manufacturers to try to achieve these goals and continue to push each other to be able to make these goals. And I think it's one of the things that we have to remember is sometimes as much of a prediction it is, it is also casting something to help us move forward and be able to have vision on where we're going. Speaking of vision, there's a clip that you've probably seen many times before from the early 1990s talking about what is the internet? 
on one of the Good Morning America-esque shows as they are struggling to understand what the internet is, what the at symbol is in an email address. All these different questions as internet communication had moved beyond the initial stages of just communicating scientific data back and forth between different universities, but was starting to move out into the digital age and being able to start being integrated into homes. Yes, I am from a generation that does remember dial-up internet. Yes, I remember my father coming home and calling me out, telling me I was on the internet all day. But this whole idea of moving and communicating in this different way was scary. I distinctly found an interview where one of the women who is one of the hosts of one of these morning shows is talking about how she's going to try avoiding the internet because her life already is being bombarded from all these different directions with information and why would I suddenly go somewhere else to get more of it more instantaneously. I would bet that hypothesis for herself didn't go super well. Sometimes when we're getting these predictions, they seem outlandish, they seem hard, and it's difficult for us to be able to grasp and wrap our hands around. But we also have to be willing and accepting to be able to see where God is working in that way, being open to the idea that God's working in a way that we don't necessarily expect. A lot of ways of like what Joseph was going through, this idea of, I thought Mary hadn't been with somebody, now she's pregnant and she's telling me she wasn't with anybody. What does this all mean? The angel coming, but there's this moment of acceptance that Joseph has to have. This moment of acceptance of understanding that maybe I don't understand how all this works, but I'm going to trust. The final example that I have actually came out within this last couple weeks that out of a lab in California that we've talked about before, we had for the first time ever nuclear fusion. We had ignition, a.k.a. we put energy in and received more energy out, fusing hydrogen atoms together to make helium and the release of energy. Granted, at this moment, the lasers and everything were highly inefficient, There's still a long way to go, and as you read through these different articles talking about it, we're talking still decades before this becomes a thing, really. But the potential of what this could do is huge. It's huge to think about the potential of being able to have an energy source that is so clean. On December 5th, which is my birthday, at around 1 a.m., the National Ignition Facility in California put 2.05 megajoules of laser energy into a tiny capsule and it produced 3.15 megajoules of energy. It's a huge breakthrough. It's huge that we are able to create in a certain way energy in a different way and in a lot of ways it's going to put to the test a lot of our understanding of physics on our understanding of how energy works but that's one of the beautiful things with technology in and of itself, it challenges us, it pushes us to the edge, pushes our understanding to the edge to force us to really understand. That's part of why I initially started this podcast was to give myself a better footing to be able to operate on with faith in science. 
being able to have these two working together instead of opposed to each other. So much within science is pushing our understanding so that we really understand where the boundaries are to what we can understand with the tools that we have at that point. To be able to better understand and give some estimation, some hypothesis on what we think is going to happen. Because as we've talked about before, it's very difficult in science to speak in concrete, evidence-based things. Joseph, at this point, is seeing the fulfillment of what has been foretold. But it's also this idea of, is this really what's happening? It's very difficult to put into words. This birth story in Matthew is hard. It's not with all the bells and whistles that we'll get next week in Luke. It's not all the festivities that we all recognize. It's this moment of humanity. This moment that we are able to best associate with one of the characters, I feel. We are best able to associate with Joseph where God is working in Mary and doing all these things. And Joseph is standing there saying, what is going on? And I have to be along for the ride. And God, in this case, Mary kind of takes him by the hand and leads him on this great adventure. And we don't hear much about Joseph after about age 12 of Jesus. We don't know what happens. But here, Joseph is on this whirlwind ride, and part of it means that he has to accept what is going on. How often do we allow ourselves to accept without challenging? I think that's a difficult thing that we all work with and wrestle with. When we look at the story, when we look at science, there's times where it literally challenges our understandings of things. And instead of looking at that in a negative context, it sometimes it allows ourselves to be like we talked about for answering last week's creative in amending our understanding and understanding that we have a God who works in a creative way. So the question I have for you this week is, where have you rejected instead of accepted in something that's new? Where have you rejected instead of accepting in something that's new? I think in a lot of ways, that's our tendency. And you see the hesitancy in Joseph as he's getting this message that has been foretold because I can't believe that this is the way that God would do it. We've been foretold we're going to have this great leader and it's not going to come to my fiance. And it's not going to come as a baby. This is supposed to come as a leader that's already developed, and yet God works in a different way. When Moore put out the predictions on semiconductors, that was seen as this, wow, that seems almost impossible to Electronics Magazine. And for 40 years, it held as a law. It kind of became this striving goal to make sure that we were meeting this benchmark, this arbitrary benchmark that someone put out. The idea of people saying and resisting the internet, resisting what that meant, resisting the flood of information and not being able to see where we were going. And you listen to the people who were integrated, who were part of that process, who were in that world. One of the easy ones to think of is like a Bill Gates who was working with Windows but was seeing the potential of what this was, realizing that this was a new horizon that was coming in. Nuclear fusion has the potential to be that. And for me, even when I initially heard it, I had to go and double check what fusion was between fusion and fission. 
Because fission leaves behind all this radioactive waste. And for me, it was like, okay, what is that going to mean if we have all this? And no, fusion is something totally different. We have to be willing and able to actually hear what is going on and put our judgments aside to be able to understand what is coming. Be able to actually listen and not just immediately cast judgment. But that also means being able to sift through the noise. And that's where I wonder if Joseph, that time of rest, was to help sift through that noise and how amazing it is that God was able to come and be with him in that time. The angels coming and being with Joseph in that time to be able to sift through the noise. In a world of where information is coming at us faster and faster and faster and us figuring out how to sift through that noise, I think is important. But I think it also means we have to be accepting enough to be able to at least hear something out and think about what that possibility could be and not immediately jump to the negativity. Because we have to remember that this season of Advent is also about a season of hope. Don't throw the baby out with the bathwater, but actually give that hope a chance to be able to grow. Give it some time, give it some space to be able to actually take root. See that, yes, there might be flaws in how you're understanding that plan, but also recognizing that it might take that time to really be able to grow and to develop and become something that you could never see because it was God's hand who was in it. Is nuclear fusion that next thing? I don't know. But I'm going to give it some time and I'm going to give it some hope because there's something there that that is absolutely incredible. I look at that the internet's been that. I look at how the semiconductor revolution was that. But I also recognize there were a lot of things that had a lot of hope behind them initially that fizzled out too. And I think that's where it takes us being and working with God to recognize that there's going to be things that take root. There's times where people are really able to cast some vision on where we're going. But it also comes back to that we have to spend time with God just like Joseph did to really be able to understand what's going on. We might not understand it, but that might not be the point. The point really may be that God's working and we have to accept it and still be there and fulfill the role that God has given us to be. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science.